Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, as we take a few moments now to kind of turn our attention towards the word, we just ask that you would lead and guide and direct. And Lord, I know that we can never predict what our day is going to be like, how our morning is going to start, what the end of this week was like. And so sometimes every, every time we walk into this building, it's, there's a different story. And I'm thankful that we serve a God that knows that story. And I'm thankful that we serve a God that cares about that story. And so whether or not we have, have hearts that are broken or whether or not we have hearts that are rejoicing, Father God, you, you meet us where we are because that's how good you are. And so I'm very thankful for that, Lord. And I just ask that you would search us and know us and, and, and kind of have an understanding of, of where we are, Father God, and you would minister to us today. And Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, we just ask that you would give us wisdom. We ask that you would give us guidance. We ask that you would give us uh, just a, a strength and encouragement to, to want to be uh, your children and part of that is to, to pick up our own cross and to follow you and, and to sacrifice for others like you sacrificed for us, to love others like you loved us. And, and we can't do that through our own power, Father God. So we just ask that you would encourage us in that today, Lord, that we might be strengthened. We love you. We praise you, Father God. We give you all of our heart. We give you all of our soul, mind, and strength. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. This morning I have the honor and privilege maybe even for the first time, to introduce my dad, Reverend Denny Hebner. But before he comes, he wanted to show a uh, video to you guys, uh, maybe some pictures and different experiences from some of the missions work that he's done. But really, the heart of it is, in my opinion, he just wanted an excuse to show embarrassing pictures of me. Uh, so, if, yeah. So if I hear you laughing, I'll know why you're laughing, and I won't pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. It's okay. I give you permission to laugh. I'm going to laugh at myself as well. But would you turn your attention to the screens?
I don't think we need to watch it again, do we? <laughs> it is good to be back with you again. I hope that uh, as my grandchildren grow, we make this a habit and get a chance to worship together often. It is an honor to be here and share with you a little bit of the passion of my heart. My assignment given to me by my son, you've got to fulfill your assignment, was to talk about the why of supporting missions. Why? Good question, why? I, I think the church is, is too often giving dictates without understanding why. Well, let's talk about why a little bit. The video was to give you a, a vision into uh, my perspective, my experience, my spiritual journey, some insight into the legacy that I hope to live with both my family and the churches that I pastor. I grew up in a fairly affluent home. We weren't rich, but we never really needed for anything. My father 
worked hard and made a good salary. We did well, and somehow, thanks to my parents, I suppose, I grew up with an innate understanding that there is responsibility that came with God's blessings. You are to be good stewards of that which God gave to you. The prime example of that biblically is the parable of the talents. To each the master gave some, and he expected good management of what they were given. I believe that we are positioned in this point of history because we are given so much to be responsible for that which God has given us and invest that in the kingdom of God. We've been given more than any other people on the planet. And God says, I've blessed you. I've invested in you. Now I believe God is calling us, all of us who follow Christ, to invest in his kingdom. As pastor over these 40-plus years, I've tried to be a good blessing with the church and my family. And God has enabled both my churches, I believe, and my family to have an impact on the world and the community around them. My intent was to expose my children to the kingdom of God and to the work of God globally and to turn them away from cultural Christianity. Now, what I mean by cultural Christianity is this idea that following Jesus makes you an American and you do things the way we do it. And what I've learned is God's doing things differently around the world in different ways, in different cultures, in different languages. My, my hero is Hudson Taylor. I put in the notes a, a recommendation, if you can find it, to read Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Hudson Taylor in the mid-1800s went to China as a missionary, and that's when they were making everybody dress like Europeans and speak English. And Hudson Taylor says, I want to be Chinese so that I can reach the Chinese. So he dressed like a Chinaman. He, he dyed his red hair black. He, he wore a ponytail. He got into China and reached people for Jesus Christ that no one else could reach because he broke down cultural boundaries. That's what I wanted to do with my churches and my family. But not to talk about cultural Christianity. I've been asked to talk about why. The why of missions. Well, certainly it's not because that's the way I do it or because it's part of my history or part of the legacy that I want to leave behind. I believe that we as the church of Jesus Christ function under biblical mandates, biblical mandates. And I believe that we need to follow those biblical mandates. And so I just want to call your attention this morning to three simple biblical mandates that I hope answers the question, why? The first of which is simply the great commandment. When they asked Jesus, what what is the greatest commandment of all? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This, This is not shocking. This is not complicated. Love God, love your neighbor. 
Man, we flew a guy in from Kansas to tell us to love God and love our neighbor? Yeah. It's a simple, fundamental mandate of Scripture. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. We're part of a community. And in that community, we're called to be lights in the darkness. We're called to be witnesses for Christ in our community. And part of it is our investment in the kingdom, in our neighborhood. To look around us and say, where is there darkness? Where is there need? Where can I shine for Christ? What has God put in me? What passion has God given me for my community? It's near and it's far. We're part of a global community and a global community that we're responsible to bless. Because of the day and age in which we live, the global community is nearer than ever. The internet has made it such that our global community is nearer than ever. When I started in ministry 45 years ago, when I started in ministry, we sent money to global missions. Church of God World Service. And then you got assigned a missionary and their picture got on the wall. And you got occasional letters from them now and then. And, and if you were lucky enough, if you gave enough money, you got a living link missionary. And then every three or four years, you got a visit from them. And that's how we did global missions. Now... You can be Facebook friends with indigenous ministers overseas. You can know what's going on week to week, day by day in their lives. Their regular updates, regular photos, regular prayer requests, regular opportunities to bless them. And our global neighbors need us. We are those who have the resources, not just money, but education, experience. I... I, I'm a pastor of a church that grows corn and cows. And we've hooked up with a guy who is doing ministry, trying to do, uh, raise his own money for ministry with a dairy farm. And he's connected with our ranchers. And his business plan is based on what our ranchers have shared with him about raising cows. And they're connected regularly through the Internet. This is the way mission work happens today. They need us. We need them. We need them for inspirational prayers. We need them for fellowship. We need them to remember our calling. I have regular foreign missionaries, indigenous pastors, who write to me and say, Pastor Denny, I'm praying for you because I know you live in such a decadent society and you need God for nothing. And we pray that you find every day a need for God in your life. I need their prayers. God put us together. We're part of a local community. We're part of a global community. So why missions? Because we love God and we love our neighbors. And we have neighbors near and neighbors far. 
the great commandment. Second mandate is the great commission. Matthew chapter 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. Go, therefore. God is at work in the world. He's at work in the world near you. He's at work in the world far from you. God brings his kingdom and it transcends borders. It transcends cultures. It transcends languages. I made my first trip to India in 1999. I thought it was going to be a a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Traveled for 30 hours, air and land. Landed in the marvelous airport at Bagdogra, India. Made a death-defying taxi ride to the city of Siliguri. Masses of people are everywhere. The millions in this country have 2% who know of Jesus Christ. We got settled in our hotel, and I wanted to get out into India. It's where I was going. It's where we're going to minister. And so I walked from the hotel out to the road, and I stood on the road where all the traffic is going by, and people are flowing by me. And a motorcycle came by, cut around a bus. There's four people on the motorcycle. They hit a a pothole. Up went the bike. Off went the girl on the back of the motorcycle, down on the tank, she broke her neck and lay dead at my feet. I wasn't an hour in India, and a Hindu died at my feet. And I held the message of eternal life. I can't tell you how that impacted my life. Denny, you hold the message. You hold the message of eternal life. You hold the message. I have since given my life and ministry to support the evangelical efforts in India, and they are my neighbors afar. In the last week of January, I flew to Philadelphia to perform my niece's wedding. Unbeknownst to me, There was a body art convention going on in Philadelphia that weekend. And so my wife and I flew from Denver to Philadelphia on a plane with about 60 tattoo artists. And so I'm waiting for the flight to happen, and and there's people are seated around me, and they're talking about Ink Magazine. I didn't even know there was an Ink Magazine. And the stars, the, the spectacular artists from Inc. Magazine are going to be on our plane. Really? And so I get in a conversation with these guys. And some of you know i got Parkinson's. I said, can you make a tattoo for my hand that changes shape when I get tremors? <laughs> they said, that could be a contest winner. <laughs> so, and, and the... The two or three hour flight from Denver to Philadelphia, I got to talking to these people and I found another world, a different culture. They speak a different language, they have different vocabulary, certainly a different style, but who were fascinated that somebody, a minister of an evangelical church, would talk to them about their life and about Jesus Christ. 
not on the other side of the globe, a different world nearby, a different culture close to home. And I thought to myself, this world is not my home. I'm only passing my I'm a foreigner here. I don't have a culture to share. I don't have a language to teach. I don't have a way of living, a way of worshiping to impart. But I bring to you good news of great joy, for unto you is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. I hold this message. I hold this word. This word has saved my life. This world has changed my being. This world has made me new. This word has done all of that for me. I've pressed these things, my congregation, for years. Tried to have an impact upon the world and upon my neighborhood with the message of Jesus Christ. One year, Will's mother and I decided we've spoiled our children. They get too much for Christmas. So for Christmas, we took all the toy money we were going to use on all three boys and piled them together and told them, this year you're not going to get any fun presents. You may get underwear and socks, but you're not going to get any fun presents because we're going to build a church in India for your honor. Well, that went over like tofu at a men's breakfast. (laughs) They were pretty happy about that Christmas. (laughs) A couple years later, I went to India with your pastor. We drove up creek beds through the wilderness to very close to the Bhutan border. And we stood in the church that they built with their Christmas money. People were walking miles from Bhutan to come and worship, to come and hear the gospel. And you can ask pastor what he thinks today, but I can tell you we stood in that church and we looked around and we saw the people worshiping. And Will said to me, Dad, We should have done this more often. We should have done this more often. See, it's added life to my family. It's added life to the church. It's added life. Then in 2010, there was an earthquake in Haiti. Church of God missionaries Phil and Lonnie Murphy started an orphanage up in the mountains up from Port-au-Prince in the little village of Calabasa. It has a strong structure, a fantastic property, became ideal headquarters for teams to go. And I got to spend a week with my children building homes for those who had lost their homes in the earthquake. They nearly lost their father trying to carry building supplies up the mountains. But we had a very impactful week there. I watched young girls walking down the mountain with buckets on their heads, drawing water and coming up the hill with water on their heads. My children tried to do it. They found out it's not as easy as it looks. These girls made several trips. They made half a trip. 
The result is Stephanie went home to Pennsylvania and raised over $20,000 to draw, to draw, to drill a well to save him some steps. The impact that it has. I just believe these are things that God wants us to be about. I believe the generation that follow me, the generations that are coming, are interested in making a global impact. I believe that they're interested in leaving a, a legacy, leaving the world a better place. I think they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Not just a member of a local church, but a part of the kingdom of God. A part of an impact on the globe. A part of an impact on their community. I think they want to be a part of what God is doing and invest in the kingdom. And I believe that's going to change the definition of success in our church. What is successful? Not attendance not building decorations, not program numbers. What kind of impact are we having? Church growth, spiritual prosperity, glorifying God, all is going to be wrapped up in obedience to the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Quickly, the third and last mandate. The Great Judgment. Jesus says, day is coming and I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. How am I going to do that? Well, when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. They will ask, when did we do that? And Jesus said, whatever you did unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Whatever you've done unto the least of these. The great judgment comes in separating those who've taken the grace of God, who've taken the blessing of God, who've taken the goodness of God, and used it to bless others, to be gracious to others, to be a good neighbor to others, to reach out to others. Recognizing that you are those for whom God has given ten talents. And that God desires his kingdom to come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What can we do? What can we do? Ask God. Ask God. Seek the spiritual direction of your pastors and the board. Look for harmony among yourselves. Seek what a passion for this body of believers is in mission. There, there are children that you can sponsor overseas with children of promise for about 30 bucks a day, 30 bucks a month. I want to tell you, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I couldn't feed Will at McDonald's for 30 bucks. Children's programs have opened up in countries that have been closed. Compassion has ties to the Church of God. Children of Promise has uh, uh, programs opening up. We're building schools in Haiti, 
in India and Sri Lanka. We're fighting human trafficking around the world. They're building training centers for generations of new believers. We're sending indigenous pastors who need sponsorship to countries that are closed to the gospel. We're supporting those who are on the front of gospel work by sending their children to school and paying for their schooling. We're repairing buildings that are torn down in opposition to the gospel. There are doubtless many ways that you can personally as a church invest here. I bet you there are worlds in Vincennes that you don't even know exist. Will and I were talking the other night. He said, there's a huge Haitian community here in Vincennes. I don't, I don't know if there's any tattoo artists. I haven't looked for a tattoo shop while I was here yet. They still haven't figured out how to get one on my hand. There are worlds that feel closed, that feel alienated to the gospel in your own neighborhood, in your own city, in your own state, in our country. There are opportunities abroad. There's just thousands of ways that you can be a part of God's kingdom and invest in kingdom and missions. It'll be life-changing on an individual level. When you become personally involved, and this, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. When missions becomes more than writing a check, when you invest in prayer, when you invest in your time and your talents and your resources and your education and invest in time to reach out to your global and your near community for Jesus Christ, it'll change you as a person It'll change your corporate identity. There's a quote made famous by the movie Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. That's not true about the church. It's not true about the church. It's not what you have to offer here that will draw a community to this church. It's what you have to offer there and there and there. Go in my name. Love God. Love your neighbor. Reach out to the least of these. Have an impact on the world. Put aside the self-centeredness of our culture and leave a legacy of one who gave to others. Why? Why missions? For the Bible tells me so. It's not shocking. It's foundational. Andrew, if you and the worship team want to come. You're taking communion this morning, and here's my challenge to you. As we receive the elements that are foundational to our faith, we are reminded that Christ gave his body for us. He poured out his blood for us for the forgiveness of our sins. We've sung about how worthy he is. We've sung about how gracious he is. If God has been good to you, if God has been that good to you, 
as you receive the symbols of his grace. Ask yourself, what can I do? Where do you want me to go, Lord, to give it away? How can I be gracious? How can I love you by loving my neighbor? How can I fulfill the great commission and reach the world with the message of eternal life? Who are the least of these on my radar that I can touch? Because you've been so good to me. Give me an opportunity. Give me an opening. Give me a chance. Give me some passion. Put some fire in me so that I can give it away and have an impact on my world for Jesus Christ. That's why.